Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to episode four of the one podcast that all of our parents are ashamed of. Uh, it's it's Brews and Bruins. I'm Chris Gear. I'm here with Senate Minority Leader Drew Johnson, who definitely doesn't oh look God. like a marine reptile. <laughs> and I'm here with Cam uh, Newton Hasbrook, you. who definitely is the starting quarterback for the Panthers, despite what they keep saying. <laughs> So this is going to be uh, the longest episode in history. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, so we're recording podcasts. this on Thursday night after the Bruins uh Stars game uh which they won decidedly uh it was never in doubt. Um we've all been drinking throughout this entire game, so this is going to be interesting. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Drew, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, man. Um, my name is Drew David Johnson. I am drinking <laughs> middle names. We gotta give middle names this time around. Um, I'm drinking a Dumble Thunderfunk Double IPA uh, from Bentwater Brewery in uh, Lynn, Massachusetts. Um, well, I'm about I'm about to drink. I've drank it before. It's good, but I'm about to crack it open. Uh, and my Twitter is at Doobshmoob. And I had some what I believe to be fire tweets tonight that got about three likes on average. Sick. So, you know. And like yeah. two of oh. them were Chris and oh. I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other one was the Bruise and Bruins account <laughs> that I liked myself. So <laughs> hey, I liked a couple of them from the Bruise and Bruins account. <laughs> they were they were Great. pretty likes. <laughs> it's, it's just us. All right, how's it going, Cam? <laughs> oh, it's going well. I am Cam Hasbrook. You can find me on Twitter at Cam Hasbrook. Shocking. I am drinking a Guinness Baltimore Blonde, brewed about 45 minutes up the road here from College Park in, in Charm Baltimore, City, USA. <laughs> in Baltimore, Ireland. Uh, pretty good beer. I mean, it's not quite as good as the standard Guinness, in my opinion, um, but it is a pretty solid beer. <laughs> it's brewed in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, Charm City, baby. I lived there for a summer, so. <laughs> it's It's brewed personally by Lamar Jackson, actually, so. It has a bright future. It's a very bright. It's future. quick. Um, I'm Chris Gear. Uh, you can find me at Gear OTC. I'm drinking an Alpine Nelson. Um, Alpine Brewery is one of the seven San Diego area breweries on the Beer Advocate Top 100. All right, shut up, Cali boy. <laughs> Humble brag, Cowboy Con. You were Came, I didn't Dallas like, brew it myself, so I'm not bragging. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Or did he? Maybe. Ooh. All right, should we talk hockey? That's or for we, next uh, episode. I, I, I don't no, know. I'm fine just chilling. Yeah, like, how's good. your life? How's <laughs> to, to be fair, no, we we, I pressed record when we hopped on the call, and I was recording for nine minutes before 
<laughs> we actually started talking. And there there are some things that should not be on the podcast that were, were said, I believe. Yeah, so, uh, definitely. Recall. So we're trusting Cam with our lives right now. <laughs> that was your first so, mistake, gentlemen. Welcome to episode four of Brews and Brews. No. Are, are, you, are you the host now? Is that is that what you're trying to do? All right, I don't well, think any of us are the hosts. None of us have control over what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we can review. Uh, that's what yes. it says on the thing. Um, <laughs> was it the Google Doc? Was the Calgary game really only four to three? Yeah, I think it was like four to three in the first. Yeah, no, but actually, it was. It was. I was in Maine while watching this one, and I missed all of the beginning. I like checked my phone. Yeah, the first like five minutes were the only (laughs) part worth watching. Yeah, I was out at the campfire, and I like checked my phone. I was like, "What the fuck? It's like three one Calgary or some shit." And then I went inside, and I saw Bruins goal, and I like went out. I was like, "Dad, the Bruins scored!" He was like, "Ah!" Like we missed the whole fucking game. We watched the third, and like nothing happened. (laughs) Uh, I will. It was a good game overall. What, they won. What I will say about that game is, um, that was Halak in net for that one, right? I I, I couldn't tell sure. you. It was in Maine having a good yeah, time. Yeah, it was. It was Halak. Yeah. So, what what I will say is that, um, Cassidy sticking with Halak through that first period shows tremendous trust in his goaltenders, and I and that's something I really like about how he handles it because. I mean, you look at a lot of coaches in that situation and they, I don't know, a couple of fluke goals. Like, it wasn't like they were fluke goals, but it, it wasn't Halak's fault. Um, just tired Bruins defense. A lot of back and forth going on in that first period. And it's not like it's Halak's fault. And I understand a lot of times coaches do it just for like, all right, we need to like light a fire under their asses. So like switch out the goalie, see if that works. Um but I, I think he just has that confidence in his goaltending where something bad happens, they're going to flip it around. Like, it's it's going to be fine. And Halak, incredible performance for the rest of that game. Yeah, I agree. That was just an absurd start. I was watching at my buddy's place with a bunch of people, and it was just like, it was crazy. I mean, I think it was like 9-6 to six in shots in the first, like, 5-6 minutes, and it was already 3-3. Three to three. Uh, kind of one of those classic hockey games where, like, if you're a gambler out there, like, you see six goals in the first five minutes and you're, like, hammer the under because you know it's going to slow down. And that's pretty much what I said. I was like, I would not be surprised if this game ends 5-3. to three. And I actually overshot it there and ended up ending 4-3 to three, like we discussed. That just tends to happen with hockey sometimes. You get teams that just... I don't want to say they're not ready coming out of the gate because clearly they were moving well enough to score all, all of that, but uh, maybe just not quite ready defensively. Uh, but Chris, really good point about uh, Cassidy with the goaltenders. I had pretty much the same exact thought. Just sticking with your goalie after he gives up a quick three. Halak obviously settled in pretty well right after that and stuck around for the W. So, good things. Yes, considering, like I said, I was in Maine and missed, like, every goal. Uh, <laughs> I will say uh, on the Cassidy point, Chris, uh, I really appreciate Cassidy as a coach for moves like that. Um, I think... In general, he really gets the guys uh, riled up and uh, you know ready for the falling period during intermission. I see a huge shift during intermissions when they're slow. Um, and overall, like I, I don't want to make this a Bruce Cass- Cassidy episode, but um, I, I mean, I kind of do. Well, we're going to bring not. him up later when we talk about the Dallas game. True, but I 
I think with the media, he is just such a forward fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, PR wise, he's just so forward. If a guy's having a shitty game, like he'll he'll mention it in there. He's very straightforward with the media, and I believe you know that leads me to believe he's that way with the players, and I think that's a good quality in a coach. Uh, definitely, I would say that. I mean. I'm 23, but in my lifetime, the best coach of a Bruins team, just in terms of how I respect them. Obviously, Julian won the cup, but, uh, you know, he's my favorite. But uh, like I said, didn't see much of that game, so I have nothing yeah. else to comment on. All right, well, other let's, than Bruce let's move on to the next game. Uh, the Bruins went straight back home and played Calgary again. Uh, nothing happened in between. Definitely not skipping over anything. Uh, yeah uh well i have one thing to say about that vancouver game go ahead was that late in the game there was like a goal or two by the bruins like i was still in maine so i caught like the end of it i watched there the was whole a goal or two. fucking thing there was a goal or two at the end and like i was about to go to bed and they scored twice so i sat down on the couch with my dad and i was like all right what if and then vancouver scored and i was like good night <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that was my experience so i, I, I will say I, I did uh i had a few tweets during that game uh i do hate podcasts where people talk about the tweets they had but giro tc yeah follow uh i don't think i've gained a single follower from somebody listening to the episode and then following me um yeah but there there was a period of time where it did look like maybe if they didn't have a chance, it still looked like they had a bunch of fight in them. And even though they were wildly overmatched by a fresh Vancouver team, they were still fighting. They, they still were playing hard and it, it was easy to see that. And I mean, it shouldn't be hard for a professional hockey team to do that. But I mean, it's encouraging when they have a scheduled loss and they're still like, and have already lost the game and they're still out there fighting. Yeah, there's not much quit in this team. I mean, we've seen some strong third periods from them, and obviously this wasn't necessarily one of them, but uh, I think effort is worth something, at the very least, in, in a game like this where obviously you're not getting the win, but to go out there and fight I think is worth something. Obviously not in standings-wise, but just from a morale standpoint to go out there and be like, you know, hey, we're still we're still playing for something, even if it's nothing more than pride. I think that's worth something. And pasta put one on the board, so that's always good. Keep running that I goal mean, lead up. That's almost a given nowadays, but... I'm willing to skip the second Calgary game as well. <laughs> that was just kind of... Yeah, because we, we want to get to the real shit here. The real point of this podcast, which was the acquisitions made. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, a, but a loss to Calgary sucked, but yeah. I mean, we, let's, Trade deadline. Let's briefly talk about this Dallas game because we just watch it, watched it. it it's fresh. Um, and he... So, <laughs> Nick Ritchie, basically, basically the greatest player ever. Um, well, I was going to say in that game, Danton Heinen did great. He was amazing. <laughs> so I did get to watch against Dallas. I did get to watch a little bit of Danton Heinen play last night in his first game for Anaheim, and it looked weird. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think his hair kind of like matches the jerseys a little bit. So, from, from by the a way, purely visual standpoint, which I know is not at all what you're talking about, I think it kind of works. Worst logo in sports, I think. Oh, it's so bad. They should go back to the Mighty Ducks. Like, they have they have so the cooler. logo. They have a jersey with the logo on it. 
And they still fucked up the colors, though. It's the worst jersey. I hate that they did, like, the orange and black. Like, the orange base and black with that I don't mind orange and black. What I hate is orange and black and gold. That's weird. I I think the Bruins are really, they have the best alternate jersey right now, and not just because of bias. I thought thought their last. I'm not a fan of the alternate. I like the alternate. I think, all right, I'll give Calgary props for their alternate. I think that one's great. Calgary's a sweet. Um, I'm trying to recall the other ones, but I really like the Bruins one this time around. I Sharks, did not like... Sharks black alternates are really sick. The Arizona. Oh, oh the Arizona oh, ones. Yeah, yeah. Those are right, absolutely right. fresh. I'll Best in the up. game, but yeah. The, <laughs> my point is I like this one better than the other one, which I have a Mark Recchi jersey of, the one with the like old logo that was all black. I don't know why. I didn't like that one. The the one with like the bear walking across the Bruins. Yeah, yeah. It's like the their logo from the twenties or thirties or something. I, see, I like that one. The the one that I Everyone likes that one, but I don't The one that I really like though is the Winter Classic jersey. The the recent one? Yes. I hated I, it when it came out and now I've seen everything else that they've rolled out since and I was like, you know what? That's kinda good. I I'm not usually a huge fan of away jerseys. The one away jersey I have is Seidenberg, which I got like right before he left the Bruins, but I still love it, uh, considering he, I think, cup-wise, very important player. German but, uh, but I think that was, I think that was really crisp in terms of away jerseys. I, yeah, I I'm, not that a, was, I'm not. I wish that was their away jersey. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not an away jersey I really fan. Liked that. I kind of was on the lookout for a Pasternak, one of those recently but they kind of stopped selling them so uh i'm shout out to my cousin who has i'm stuck with my tim thomas and bergeron home jerseys um so so dallas um (laughs) was that what we were (laughs) yeah i I guess so (laughs) we'll we'll get to the trade cowboy con that's right we'll get to the trade deadline you were at cowboy con (laughs) um give up the first goal again uh Shout out to our guy, Nick Lanciani, who always tweets out, like, the records of the teams after whatever goal is scored. That's fun. Like that. Keep doing that, man. As if, like, he's he, he's not going to keep he doing it. He always I... has something insightful <laughs> to say. We got we to we, have him on. We, we also sure. have a question from him later in the listener questions. That's, no, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but yeah, anytime the Bruins get scored on first, it's like a yeah, Bruins record is like eleven six and two when being scored on first. And it's like all right, well, I guess it doesn't matter at all. Um, and in this game, it didn't. Uh, they came, they came back and came back pretty swiftly, and became a game at the end due to like a couple of not great goals. You got Chara scoring an own goal after having a fight with the post on the other end. Um, yeah, I mean, Halak with a really, really solid last 30 seconds after giving up that goal to uh, bring it to one goal game. And uh, you guys were saying in the group chat, I don't remember who it was, but that it was just like a tense last 30 seconds. And I had this weird moment, like in the last 30 seconds where I was just totally calm. Like, dude, Halak looks solid right now, and I wasn't worried. To be fair, I probably would have been calm had it not been for the wager, which I will not mention on podcast. <laughs> but it had me shaking in my boots a little bit. 
Uh, but that might, that one's rated R. Which I, w- I won't I guess mention our podcast the, is too. <laughs> won't mention the nickname I gave you because of that either. That's a that's a group chat. Yeah, you also violated Drew's trust tonight by leaving the group chat. I I dropped the S word, Chris. Hey, Amen. And you put it on Twitter as we drop F bombs on, on here. But. Yeah, go ahead, Cam. You, had, I think you had something insightful to say. I don't know. Me? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you mentioned wager, and I felt like, oh, okay, maybe you have something more no, to no, say. No, that was, no, pre- that was, that was the pre- not to be spoken upon. <laughs> that was a wager. That was on the far opposite Gone side. To you, Drew. <laughs> far opposite side of insightful. I will say, though, um, we were talking about the early goal they gave up. I actually thought that they were the better team coming out of the gate, so when they did give up that first goal, I was not really worried at all. Um, both teams had some pretty solid chances coming uh, right out of the box there in that first period, but I thought, based on what I saw, the Bruins were really oh, nice one, Chris. The Bruins were really uh, carrying the play there early on. <laughs> God damn, <laughs> that's a lovely noise. Anyway, Bruins were playing well right out of the gate. Some good offensive chances. They kind of gave up a goal. It was like it's not that big of a deal. You had a feeling they were going to climb right back into it, and uh, they did just that. So pretty, pretty good overall. I think I think that Coil goal was absolutely sick, mm. where he just batted oh, yeah. it. I mean, not intentionally, but batted it up to himself I, and then sliced honestly, it in. I don't know. Like he, I think I think he was trying to get a whack on it, like to whack it in the first time, and then it whiffed, but it was a pop up, and so he hit it again. It was almost like when you play wiffle ball. And you you know you get a whiff, but it goes up and you hit it anyway. Yeah, you know how when you play wiffle ball. Oh yeah, you know I play it. I'm in a professional wiffle ball league, man. Like um, twenty plus wiffle ball league. No, but um, I used to play wiffle ball. I was okay. Like I wasn't. Yeah, tell us more about how you were okay at wiffle ball. So I played football for one year while I was in like elementary school, and ah. Uh, it was great. All right. Well, um, while we you know what I'm saying, that coil goal was good. It was a good game overall. I had fun watching it as I was drinking, as I do during 50% of Bruins games. Um, it, <laughs> I guess I have to say what I say every episode. It felt like the Bruins had control of that game. Did um, they have control of the yeah, Vancouver? Overall, game? <laughs> it was good. I like. I like how I was. I was a minute behind during that whole game. I saw. Half I saw the Richie and the Pasternak goal on Twitter before I saw it physically, which sucked. And then you guys were like, "That was a like that was a close last minute." And I was like, "Fuck you!" There's a minute left. I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was a good game. It was a good. It was good to see them bounce back from those uh, that. Two game losing streak, or I suppose one game losing streak, because there was yeah, there wasn't a game on Saturday. Doesn't look like anything to me uh, to reference yeah. uh, Westworld as we were talking about earlier. You know, off Great off the show. Pod. Chris Chris not a huge fan. I'm a I'm a hater mm. of Westworld. Second time through, right but I, now. But I do I do love hate watching it. And also, if you've never seen the 1973 movie uh, penned by Michael Crichton of Jurassic Park fame. Uh, damn, go watch that. It's incredible. All right. Well, Drew mentioned that Richie goal, and if you've been living under a rock, you might think, Brett Richie? <laughs> no, not Brett Richie. Nick Richie, 
one of the newest members of the Boston Bruins. How about that segue, boys? Into hey, the trade deadline. Holy shit, before we talk <laughs> about this, uh, Bobby Ryan had a hat trick. Yeah, I saw that. He was, he was pretty emotional afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Good for I saw, him. Like, I saw that he scored a goal, but and everyone was like, whoa, Bobby Ryan scored a goal. Uh, yeah, hat trick in his first home game back from uh, taking some time off to deal with his right. alcohol issues. Uh, all right, let's 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 talk about... All right, let, let's get into takes on the table. Wow, Drew. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, throwing things across the room. Um, let's do takes on the table. Talk about some trades. Yeah, I mean, the Kasha trade, I feel like, is is going to be the headliner here. You get... Yeah, definitely. Andre Kasha from the Anaheim Ducks. You give up a first-round pick, uh, Axel Anderson, and you get rid of the David Backus contract, which opens up some cap space for what at the time could have been a rental, which is nice, and I, I, I liked that setup. Um, and then it turns into off-season cap space to deal with RFAs and UFAs in the case of Tory Krug. Um among others. And then you get the more controversial of the trades with Nick Ritchie coming to the Bruins for Danton Heinen, who, if anybody has followed me and Brandon Cher Cohen on Twitter, uh, y'all know that we stan. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be nice to have him out here in Southern California, but damn yeah that's things what were y'all's thoughts on these two trades let's start with the kasha trade i i honestly don't really have a problem with either of them i think i asked you about the kasha trade not the richie trade we're gonna get we're gonna get to both of them but (laughs) all right we'll start with the kasha trade first of all getting rid of that david backus contract you knew it was gonna be hard it's been talked about all year especially since they kind of gave him the boot down to well, not even really to Providence because they didn't send him there, but just not with Boston anymore. You knew he was going to be gone. It was just a matter of how. And I think all things considered, this is a, a pretty good play. You free up a lot of money in cap space. Uh, the prospect you're giving up <clears throat> is not really that big of a deal. And, you know, not to disrespect Axel Anderson or anything, but when you look at where the Bruins are strongest right now, especially when it comes to prospects, it's on defense. They've got plenty of guys who are... NHL caliber right now, you look at the Charlie McAvoys and Connor Clifton's and guys like that, and then they've got more coming right up the pipeline with Vakanainen and those guys. So I think plenty of room to make the deal. You don't feel like you're really losing a premier prospect. And then the 2020 first-round pick, I think people tend to see first-round pick and overreact a lot. I think the important thing to remember here, and I think we've talked about this on Twitter plenty, but and I think BSC said it best, not all first-round picks are created equal. You look at where the Bruins are in the standings right now, what you expected them throughout the rest of the season. This isn't a top-10 pick that they're giving up. This is a lower-round pick. It could pretty much essentially be a second-rounder. It's basically a second-rounder. Exactly. So, all things considered, you give up a prospect who probably wasn't going to find his way up to Boston anytime soon anyway, what is essentially a second-round pick, and you dump the David Backus contract, and you bring in a guy who can play either middle six or bottom six on the wing, and you free up $4.5 million in cap space, I have absolutely no problem with that deal whatsoever. 
I'll tip the cap to Sweeney on that one. Yeah. Yeah, is uh is Kasha how you pronounce it? Right? Yeah, so Kasha. So I <laughs> you you had said Kasha and then at one point I mistaked it for case and quickly re- I corrected it on Twitter. No, so I I a uh... rhyme. <laughs> That Cam was a part of the <laughs> poem I wrote on Twitter. That was so a beautiful I, poem. So I, uh, once again, I'm going to say a, a tweet that I <laughs> sent out earlier, which I hate. Um, after the trade was made, and a lot of people were making Ooh. making these jokes, uh, pronouncing it Case, you know, because there are a lot of puns to be made with the name Case. Um, he he played in, in San Diego a couple of years ago with the Gulls, who are the minor league team before the Ducks. And... So I learned very quickly that, damn, that's not how you pronounce it. So I, I tweeted out a helpful tip for all you Bruins fans trying to learn how to pronounce Andre Kasha's last name. It's Kasha. And quickly, an actual Czech man corrected me and said it's actually pronounced Kashe. Uh, so still let's all anglicize it and just call him Kasha. But so I think the trade for Case was pretty good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I I I think the trade was all right. Uh, as Cam was saying, uh, getting rid of Anderson was was not bad at all. We talked about Zaboral the last episode. I honestly don't see even Zaboral getting to the NHL in a Bruins jersey anytime soon if at all because uh, you have so much depth there uh, I really don't see it really happening unless he's an emergency call in like two seasons from now uh, considering they have more there right now and they have Camphor they're playing Lazan and Clifton over more and Camphor plus they have Kevin Miller who might come back and then you have Anderson, so I, I I don't really think you see him playing an NHL role with the Bruins, so I think that's fine getting rid of him. That's a huge surplus the Bruins have in terms of prospects at the uh, at the defensive position. Getting rid of back is huge for the cap. Um, that first rounder, yes, it's a late first rounder for sure, but that is also for the past two seasons, maybe even three seasons, I'd say, is what it's taken to get really any decent asset is from these teams that are making a playoff push, which if you're the receiving position of that first round pick, you know, it's going to be later because these, these teams are pushing for the cup and they're going to, it's probably going to wind up 20 plus. So that, I mean, if you're a, if you're a bottom dweller, I suppose, that you, and you know that pick's going to be high, that's going to get you a lot more. But these teams making deals at the trade deadline for NHL-ready players that are going to slot into their top their top six, it, that first-round pick is, like you guys said, almost like a second-round pick. Or so, you could be the Ottawa Senators and trade away your first-round pick for uh, Matt Duchesne, and then it turns out to be like the number three pick. So That's true. True. Back to Kashe or Kesha or Case. <laughs> Kesha. Or Kasa. Um, I think Kasa is really how you The party don't right start now. till he walks in. The episode title is Kesha now. <laughs> with, the, with the dollar sign. It's going to be Kesha and the party don't stop till he walks in because thank you, Cam, for that. Hey, you're welcome. I don't know that song because I love rock and roll. <laughs> you're better off not knowing it. Sorry, Kesha. <laughs> so. 
like I was saying, I think that that um, that was a good case for the Bruins to make that deal. Um, nice. <laughs> oh, pun, punny. I I think that was a good deal um, because honestly, I think I, personally, I did, and I think a lot of people expected it to be fifty percent of Backus's cap that was held by the Bruins, and the fact that they only had to had to keep twenty five is, I think, a pretty good deal. Um, yeah, I, I think that was decent, especially, I, I mean, I know a lot of people are a little iffy about him, about, uh, about case or Kesa or whatever, quesadilla. Um, I think you, um, I, I think if you consider what players are going for nowadays, that that's a good deal. Yeah. My, my two cents on the whole thing, um, I got really lucky uh, when San Diego brought back the Gulls because it was at a time when they had a pretty insane team. Um, they had current Ducks defense and defenseman Josh Manson. They had Andre Kasha. They had Shea Theodore. And they had Brandon Montour, who now plays for the uh, Sabres. Um, and in goal, they had Anton Hudobin. <laughs> So, uh, we we had a pretty good first year watching that team, and and it's been really cool seeing all these players grow up and have the Ducks trade them all away, except for Josh Manson. Uh, <laughs> I'm by the way not a Ducks fan even in the slightest, uh, except for second favorite team. Except for no, a second favorite team is the Sharks. Actually, um, mine's Minnesota. Not a bad choice. Um, What's yours, Cam? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have. I feel like I have a second favorite team for most sports. I actually don't know what I'd go for for hockey. And let me think about that one. That's a true Bruins fan. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. I live in bleed black and gold. <laughs> but having seen Kasha play, uh, I think the the two players who stood out the most to me watching them play in the AHL were Shea Theodore and Andre Kasha. Uh, Theodore hit a little bit earlier than Kasha did. Ended up making his bones in Vegas. Um, but yeah, Kasha had unquestionable offensive talent. And I think the first thing I thought when they brought him in was like, that's kind of another Bjork type player where he's, he has that insane skill. Will he be able to put it together? And I, I think it's a good gamble to take on a guy playing on a really bad team and bring him in, especially a guy who did score pretty effectively last season and has been injured for a good portion of the last two seasons. Um, a, a lot of times in hockey, gambling on guys who've been injured a couple of times is a good move too because injuries can be fluky and they often players often get labeled as guys who are injury prone. Um I mean, just look, look at Krejci. Yeah, it's so. It, it, I think that's a good gamble. And when you look at the price that other teams paid for, s- not necessarily similar types of players, but for young, controllable players, um, obviously, Kasha is not on the level of of Vincent Trocheck or uh, JG Pajot, but the the packages people put together, teams put together for those two guys, f- for Sweeney to get Kasha and 
unload 75% of Bacchus's contract and only give up two expendable assets is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. You got you got anything, Cam? Yeah, I was going to say, I think the one thing that we mostly glanced over, you mentioned it there, saying he's controllable, but the fact that they didn't just get a rental, I mean, it's not like he's signed long-term or anything, but for somebody who is in his age 23 season right now, having him under control for next season at $2.6 million, like, that's a gamble worth taking, absolutely. And he's an RFA after that season, so it's not like the Bruins yeah. can hang on to him if they want. Yeah, exactly. And, again, he's young, so, like, like you said, he wasn't necessarily given the best chance in Anaheim. Maybe you put him around some better players. Now he starts to produce a little more. That can end up looking like a really good deal. Yeah, I think I think a big key with both of these trades, and I know we'll get to the Richie one in a second uh, fully, but you got guys that can not only be a part of this cup push that, uh, but could be a part of the future as well. Future cup pushes, hopefully. Yeah, so. I also want to shout out dude I got into a brief argument with on Twitter last week, who. I forgot. I forgot. In I thought you were about to say someone's at like dude. Yeah, I thought I, so too. I was, I was like, what was, the fuck is this going on? At nope, dude. That I got in an argument. <laughs> no, I was with really last confused. week. Nope. Even even better than that. I forgot his at last week on the episode, <laughs> and then I still don't remember it now. But oh right, right. He was right. okay. He was okay. in. I the, know who you're talking about. He was talking to me, and he was like, "Not nah, you know who you are." I don't want one of these rentals. I want a young, controllable scorer for cheap and i was like that doesn't exist and i mean this wasn't cheap but relatively compared to what happened so i'll eat my shorts on that a little bit i won't eat, eat anything else but Ew. <laughs> <laughs> all right on to the uh Nick jokes are great on the podcast because no one understands all right go sorry for the the little jingle that's what we're leading with <laughs> that's that's the, that's intro, the intro song this week. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Um, all right, now you want to get to the uh, Richie trade, which is looking real freaking good after tonight, I have to say, with his two points. <laughs> yeah, out Dan Hyden only had an assist in his first game. Nick Richie, what a goal loser. and an assist. Second game, though, but still. If, if you, I guess haven't, if you haven't seen the shitty Photoshop job that I did, there's a tweet on the Bruise and Bruins Twitter account. Yeah, let's blow this up because it was really – Took a lot of time. I, I I was I was in this frame of mind. I was like, "Yo, this is this is gonna blow." Up. <laughs> this is what it's makes it big. And I said, "Like, oh, is this cool to tweet to you guys?" But I was like, "Oh, oh, this is what the people want." You don't understand how much Drew thought this is gonna be like viral across the internet. Well, you guys didn't even fucking know because in my mind, I was like, I told you guys, I was like, "Hey, is this cool to tweet?" Like, this could be funny. Like, I think people will like this. But in my mind. I was like, oh, this is it. 100 retweets coming. We got so many listeners this upcoming episode. It's going to be sick. But Drew put down the mortgage payment on the house. He was signing endorsement deals in his head. He was ready to make a big yeah, time. I just became a graphic design minor because of this. <laughs> but it was something I did in Photoshop for five minutes, and it was awful and didn't get any attention. I appreciated what? it. Where were we? Richie trade. Someone, someone talk about the Richie trade. Uh, I'm sick of talking yeah, about so, something that the listeners cannot see. So we, we just talked right about how dealing a guy like Axel Anderson when you have a surplus of defensemen is good asset management, and dealing an underachieving wing like Danton Heinen, who's responsible to a player, not necessarily a fan favorite because people like 
guys who bash people through the boards or whatever. Um, while he's underachieving is not necessarily good asset management, especially when you're dealing him for another underachieving wing who is worse. So, yeah, not, not, I I can agree with worse there. Not a great trade. Um, I've also seen a fair amount of Nick Ritchie play because, you know, uh, closest Kelly boy status. Yeah. Closest NHL team to me is the ducks. So I've been to the most, I've been to the Honda center more than any other arena, including the, especially the official automobile of the NHL. (laughs) Yeah. Including TD garden, which is upsetting to me, but yeah, I've been to more NHL games in Anaheim than I have anywhere else. Um, yeah, it's rough. Why are you, uh, why are you here? Why are you on this podcast? Oh damn! Because ducks and brews and ducks doesn't work too yeah, well. <laughs> ducks and duckets, baby. Ducks and baby. ducks coming to you anytime soon. Fucks and ducks, fuck. Yeah, Drew came up with a better name. Oh fuck! It's a weird one, but uh, uh, might want to look out for that from Chris. Yeah, but uh, decent first couple of games. I mean, I guess Bruins fans get what they want. Nick Ritchie bashed the hell out of everybody in the first two games. Uh, somehow got credited with seven hits in that first game. I saw him maybe have three, but you know that's the that's the home tally for you. Yeah, a little home job in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> did not did not like the term home job. To be honest. Anyway, uh, uh, no, I Chris, I'm with you. Actually, I think. Uh, I don't think it was a terrible move. I I think Heinen's um <laughs> good lord, you guys are losing it. I think Heinen's defensive play was a little underrated. Um the Bruins have a lot of guys who I guess can play two ways, so it's not like he's the only guy that you can stick out there. It's not like they're relying on him for a penalty kill or something like that, let's say. But certainly somebody who you hope to see produce offensively a little bit a little bit more had stints where he did that, but just never was really consistently putting the puck in the net. I think the big one here is, again, just clearing up some cap space. If the Bruins can sign, again, those UFAs and RFAs that they need to this summer, and that $1.3 million really becomes essential, then I think we look back on this and say, all right, it was probably worth it. If it's the difference maker for keeping somebody like Tory Krug, let's say. But as far as pure talent for talent goes, I think Heinen is the more talented one. Again, we'll see uh, Richie once again coming also from Anaheim, who apparently is the only team that the Bruins <laughs> trade with this season. <laughs> but uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, but again, we'll look back on this, I guess, this offseason and, and reevaluate. But uh, as far as pure talent goes, I think Anaheim gets the better end of the deal. Long term, it could be a different story. But either way, I don't think it's a necessarily poor trade. Um, what I'll say about this is, and I know I rambled about the uh, Kesha Quesadilla trade. We'll learn his. I'll, I, well, I suppose I'll learn his name in a few games, but <laughs> the pronunciation. But what I'll say about this is, I think. Well, we we talked about last episode about. I think we all agreed we'd rather deal Heinen rather than Bjork. Yeah, and I think we all For agreed true. that it was gonna it was gonna take one of them to get a, a sustainable deal done. I 
was not a fan of it being a one-for-one, one, similar to what you guys said. I think Heinen has a higher potential than what Richie currently is or will be. And I think that is definitely a gamble that is questionable. I think with Richie, they definitely got a slightly more physical player. I don't know if they got much else. I, I think I trust Heinen more with his two-way game. Maybe Richie... Has a better shot, which we sort of saw um, in the <laughs> Dallas game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you saw a uh, sick deflection by one of the Dallas defenders. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I mean, I've, I I watched like a highlight video of him, and I have not watched the highlight video. There is on literally YouTube of one Dante highlight Heinen. of Nick Ritchie, and he has like one sick goal, and that's it. I will say yeah, the assist was pretty nice. That's what I'm saying. Tonight. Like he has a decent shot. I saw something on Twitter. And it was about him having a really good shot, but he doesn't get a lot in the net. And I was like, well, then what's the point if he doesn't get a lot in the net? (laughs) Sick. That's awesome that you have a great shot. Zidane Chara has an amazing slap shot. How much of that gets in the net? Yeah, so Cam, Cam um, did make a good point, though. Like, that pretty good assist on the give-and-go to Pasta. Oh, yeah. He, he. I think a lot of guys who are, like, trying to make their name on a new team would have taken that shot, but he fed it yeah. right back to Pasta for the easy goal, so that was cool. If you're in the ice with Pasternak in 2020, you, you pass it. <laughs> I, I mean, Pasta doing <laughs> it, the same shit, though. Even Marjan passes it, and he had 100 points last season with, I don't know exactly you know you how many a, goals. You know you get a but... point for passing the puck to a goal scorer, right? Exactly. Um, but, yeah, it, I, I am... I'm impressed with what Richie did tonight. I tweeted out the other night during his first start that don't expect anything. Uh, I think someone said, like, oh, it's good It's good you didn't expect anything because you did, like, jack shit, and that's not a direct quote, but that was the synopsis <laughs> that I got uh, from that. And, um, yeah, so I think this is a big step for him in his second game with the Bruins to have uh, a really good night. I hope to see more of that. I do not, on the surface of it, like seeing it a one-for-one trade. I would have liked to seen Heinen go with that first-round pick and maybe another another asset for a bigger player. But, uh, you know, he worked out tonight. Richie worked out tonight, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, totally worth it. Uh, maybe the Bruins... Amazing! Maybe the Bruins make the playoffs by one point, and, like, that was the, the whole deal. Better than a Stanley Cup, according to like the the meme or whatever the fuck I made on Photoshop earlier tonight. Well, there you go. Two things, two things I do want to jump in here with. First of all, Drew, when you're talking about the the crazy shot that hardly hits the net, I just got to bring this up. I went on a Mighty Ducks, uh, which of course I guess is kind of uh, relevant now. I went on a Mighty Ducks, as in the old '90s movies, watching spree this weekend. Oh, so, you calling those the old '90s movies hurts the my old, heart. Well, I, as opposed to like the animated show or anything like that. I, don't, I think that was after. Which it was after. <laughs> Which, first of all, can we just talk about the concept of an animated show about ducks who play hockey and fight crime? Are you kidding me? Makes sense to me. Regardless, uh, I got a real Fulton Reed vibe, just like the kid on the Mighty Ducks who has an absolute cannon of a slap shot, but just, like, can't hit shit until he, like, trains with Emilio Estevez. So, had to throw that out there quick. Secondly, I think we can all agree... In hindsight, which I guess this kind of goes into our first listener question, which 
I suppose we can read off now from Karen Reynolds. He asked what our early grade of the trade deadline moves is. Uh, he said he thinks long-term moves are great, but he's unsure about how it'll help this season. I think this is my take on from what I've talked to you guys about off-pod. I think you guys will agree. A lot of fans wanted to see a Toffoli trade or a Palmieri trade or something like a big splash like that. And while that would have been nice at the right price, we've talked a lot about prices tonight, I don't think that kind of trade is necessary for where this team is at this year to still make a run for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, the Bruins are currently sitting as the top team in the NHL. Like, I, You don't need a move, but I, I think any good GM looks at his roster and says, where can we improve, and tries to make improvements. And I think... A move like the Kasha move gives you the opportunity to improve now. Um, I don't know if it necessarily accomplished that, but yeah, I, I would have liked to see like a Kreider or a Palmieri, but when, I, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but when I was seeing the developing trades go going on and what the prices were for guys like that, and then suddenly Kreider extends with the Rangers and... I was just thinking the the price on Paul Mary is going to be ridiculous. You're going to have to give up yeah. maybe multiple first round picks, a first round or a second round or like something like that plus an NHL player and a prospect. Like, all right. Well, yeah, maybe we'll just back off and try and make some of these smarter moves. And and I I alluded to this earlier, but I did really like what Sweeney slash maybe Neely did um where they made an early trade that opened up some cap space so that they could potentially do a rental that helped them with the future. And then also with this, uh, with this Richie trade, I think Sweeney put himself in a good position because you're sending an underachieving player to a bad team. And so like, maybe he give, he gets a little more opportunity and, and it looks good for the ducks. But I think in all likelihood, Heinen struggles with a struggling team and Nick Ritchie comes to a better team and maybe he plays up a little bit and he, he hits and everything and it makes him look good. So these are low risk moves for him as a GM. Whereas if you give up a ton of assets for one guy um, who may or may not help, maybe in the mold of like a Rick Nash kind of guy, uh, it doesn't necessarily look great. And and I think from a from a GM standpoint, it looks good on Sweeney. Yeah, I think um, as you said, Heinen struggling on a struggling team. If you look at the past year, he was either with Coyle or with Krejci, and we talked about Krejci last episode. And if you've been a Bruins fan in the past month, Coyle's been amazing. Um, so I think. Not to take away from his individual game, but he's had the benefit of two great centers to be playing alongside for the past the past 365 days. Um, I think in terms of a grade giving them for the trade deadline, I'd give them a B to B+. And as you said, they're top of the NHL. They don't need to make a huge move. Um, as some of these teams have made that are pushing for the cup. And I think they made all right ones. We talked about it last episode about this solution to the second line. I do not think they found it in Keshe um, or Kesha. 
or case i still like quesadilla man i'm i still really like quesadilla. i think it's actually Keishi. <laughs> Keishi. Krejci. i like they this got david Krejci too for david Krejci. um dredge no, Krejci. <laughs> I, I like having Richie and Keshe or Kesha, the substantial pop star, substantial pop star, the substantial <laughs> pop star that they have. All right, folks, and that was episode I, four. Of <laughs> no, okay, so I like these players that they've added simply because it's so much depth. You have so much versatility on the wing in terms of having – you could have DeBrusque, Krejci, Bjork. You could have Bjork on the third line and DeBrusque on the third line. and you, They have all these combinations. You have Kuhlman in there. They have all of these fucking combinations that can work. And Cassidy loves to freaking fuck with the lines during the game. Oh, and uh, boy, did have... he during this Dallas game. <laughs> oh, my God. We had God. some weird combinations. I, d- I saw, like, at the starting that the official Bruins account tweeted out, like, these are the starting lines. I saw them. Like, that's not going to be it. By at one point, end. we had Corrali, Coyle, Bjork. I think that was the first line, too. <laughs> 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 I think, but no but for seriously i think the versatility is good they didn't go at, they didn't wind up getting a Kreider to foley but do they necessarily need that that would be a great boost to the team but do they need that to win a cup if you look at the team now that got to game seven of the stanley cup final and have learned from the experience of losing a game seven of the stanley cup final i think these are decent additions i'd give them a b plus okay let's play a fun game um Danton Heinen currently playing on the second line with Adam Henrique centering. Adam Henrique actually a really good center. Um yeah. so he mm-hmm. he might benefit from that. Uh, was that a deadline deal last season or the season before? I think that was last year from the Devils. It might have been yeah, it might have been yeah. season before. It was uh Sammy Vatnin, right? It was a season before. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was 2 yep, years ago. Yep. Um damn, flexing some hockey knowledge here. Uh, me and, I was me and, I was two right then. No, I'm saying uh, both of us. Uh, <laughs> we were both two then. <laughs> name name the uh, right wing on that line: Dan Heinen, Adam Henrique, this guy, uh, Charlie Conway, <laughs> Bobby Ryan, Kiefer Sherwood. Oh, like the sticks, Sherwood. <laughs> I had one of those like when guy, I was little. Like the guy who plays on like the minor leagues and I don't know, like NHL 18. See, video games are my access to other teams. In the league. No, it's the guy from 24. Uh, also, the, the 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 third line, the third line in Anaheim has like just three incredible names. You got Max Jones, <laughs> Sam Steele, <laughs> and Jacob Silverberg. That actually sounds like while we're talking video games, like just like some stock player names that like EA <laughs> threw into like NHL. Like you're like playing yeah. in the juniors next to Sam Steele that's, and Max that's Jones. That's your right like, defenseman. That's your right defenseman in the EA Sports NHL Hockey League. <laughs> like the 2026 draft, like your first overall pick, Sam Steele. Like <laughs> coming to a theater near you. <laughs> Christmas Eve. I'm actually very confused as to why Jacob Silverberg is playing on that third line and not the right wing on the second line where not that the player ratings that 
Corsica does are everything, but Silverberg's rated as the 58th right wing, Kiefer Sherwood as the 106th right wing, and Max Jones and Sam Steele are rated as they don't exist. So <laughs> there you go. Same with John Moore. Uh, this is a little, a little shade towards Sean Moore. If you're listening, Johnny, sorry. So, Nick Lanciani, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Or, uh, Lanciani. Uh, Lanciani. No, Italian, it's usually how it looks that you pronounce it. As someone who is half Italian. So, we huh. we sort of addressed some of this, but... Nick says everyone's focused on a Krug extension after the deadline, but what would be a fair shake for the Debre- for DeBrusque in the off season? I lied. We didn't sort of address this at all. Let's address it now. Do, do you want me to go first? Because I thought about this a little bit before. All right, go for it. Go for it. Um, so I'm thinking since he hasn't really broken out like maybe he wanted to or the Bruins really wanted him to. I, I think like this was supposed to be his breakout season. Last year was kind of like a a good performance where especially in the playoffs you saw him kind of blossom a little bit yeah and i think a lot of people thought this was going to be like all right he's going to score 30 goals this year this is his year um and i mean he like he potentially i guess could still do that but it would require a pretty epic last portion of the season um i think both he and the bruins would kind of be on the same page as just doing a bridge deal um get him two years maybe like two two and a half million a year um i mean when you look at what dan heinen got like he probably deserves a little bit more than that so i i think that's probably where you're in the in the range of i think i agree there i'd probably clock him up a little bit more than heinen um i think it's pretty clear that he has a higher ceiling, and we've seen stretches that, like, Jake DeBrusque is one of the streakiest players I think I've seen play for the Bruins in a long time. He will go three weeks with, like, two points, and then he'll score, like, four goals in the next two games. And I hope you have him on your fantasy team for those two games. <laughs> exactly. You gotta know when to hold him and know when to... <laughs> Alright. Alright. Anyway. Um, no, I, I, right. I do think... Cam Kenny Rogers Hasbrook <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's gonna. I'm changing my Twitter name, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think we've definitely seen flashes of brilliance. I think he has a tendency, also, like you kind of mentioned, to turn it off or turn it on rather in the second half of the season. And I think specifically in the playoffs last year, I think we really saw the type of player that he can be. That being said, he he's not quite at the deal or at the point where we want to give him, I would say, a long-term deal. I think a bridge deal, like you said, is going to be good for both sides. Give him two years. Give him enough to stick around. Um, I mean, he's an RFA, so that's not that big of a deal. But again, he's also only 23 years old, so he's still young. He's got plenty of time to break out, coming into his prime still. He definitely has shown flashes of that brilliance. Again, not quite hitting that 30-goal mark that you were hoping for this season, barring a ridiculous end of the season, but by no means somebody you want to give up on yet. Um, since we're, we're talking numbers and I'm not great at math, uh, this could be awful. So the Bruins have currently roughly 4.5 million cap space in my math skills. I know that like 10 plus seven is 48 or something like that. So, um, (laughs) but, uh, they need to, okay. So 
UFA's Nordstrom, which I tweeted before, and I think we all agree is sort of out. I won't speak for you guys, but I think no, it's I out. Agree. Yeah, he's gone. They got Bjork as an RFA. They got DeBrusque as an RFA. They got Kuhlman, yet again, RFA. Uh, they got Krug as an unrestricted. They got Zdeno as an unrestricted, who I think is on the back burner in terms of you have to re-sign these other players before you even think about Chara. Uh, and then you got Grizzlick as an RFA. You got Halak as a UFA. And the Bruins seem keen on going to free agency for backup goaltenders. So that's iffy, but he's been fucking great. Um, and actually, Kevin Miller is also an unrestricted free agent. I believe he's uh, gone. So that's something to think about. So in terms of numbers, I am hesitant to give a number on DeBrusque um, and Krug for that matter. But I think in terms of DeBrusque, you look for some sort of bridge deal, um, which I think could be beneficial for both the Bruins, obviously, and DeBrusque, just considering that I – I don't think he's reached the peak of his potential, and I think he could be a 40-goal scorer in the NHL at his full potential. I think by the time he's 26, you could see that if he's playing on a line with Krejci and if they find a permanent solution on that right wing, I think you could see DeBrusque being a lethal top six forward. So I think for him, a bridge deal would be actually something to consider. Um, but in today's NHL, you look for long, if you're a younger player, you look for longer term, uh, big deals, even if you're not a hundred percent proven, uh, banking on your, your potential. But I think it, a bridge deal is certainly possible for DeBrusque to consider. Yeah. Well, I, I sort of agree with you in, in the sense that he has this kind of massive potential. I, I don't think maybe 40 goals, like 35, we're picking nits here, but if, if he does, I feel like if he sees that in himself, he hasn't reached that potential yet. He knows he's not going to get that money. So you give him these two extra years at a little bit of low money, and maybe he blows up and he earns that contract. And I think that's where it appeals to him. And where it appeals to the Bruins is like what you said, Drew, about the contract situations. You take those two years at a little bit of a discount, gives you a little bit of more flexibility to resign these players and uh, whereas if you're giving debrusque a long-term contract regardless of what he's done he's shown enough potential where it's going to require a little more money for the long term yeah i think he's willing to bet on himself there for uh for a bridge deal and yeah because yeah. debrusque isn't taking a six-year three million dollars per year contract where in year four of that contract he, it's the worst contract in in the league for him yeah um and uh, that's the that's best, not what's the going best to for the Bruins. yeah it's the best for the Bruins but I'm not saying that's him. what's going to happen but potentially if he signs that contract by year four it's the worst contract in the league for the for the player um so he's not going to do that so I, I think a bridge deal is and nick i hope we answered your question in these 10 minutes we talked about it <laughs> I, i'll say one thing about defending the 40 goal uh point is i think that if you got a guy like Krejci who is basically pass first like pass only almost but pass first kind of playmaking center and then you get a guy who's kind of both in like a Marshan. Obviously, if you're playing him on the second line, not quite a Marshan, but that style of play where you're 
as good as being a playmaker as you are a scorer. And then you have DeBrusque there, who I think is far and beyond a scorer, beyond his passing ability. Um, oh, I think yeah. DeBrusque could, Absolutely. could Just score a pure 40. Scorer, straight in that, line skater, yeah. In that scenario, I think I could see DeBrusque scoring 40. All right, question number three, Amanda Ucci, uh, another Italian name that I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly. Um, that one's got to be Ucci. Uh, Bruins finishing first, or is Tampa going to finish strong and overtake the top spot? Um, I think we've already seen Tampa kind of have their surge, and I, they're a good storm, sir. I was waiting to jump in. <laughs> they're they're a good team and they're going to continue um it just kind of depends on what what the bruins do and i think we talked about this in past episodes i think last week where as a team you want the bruins to finish strong doesn't really matter what they do in between now and then but if you want them to succeed in the playoffs you want them to be strong at the end of the regular season so i don't really care if they finish in first or not uh in the past it hasn't really mattered winning the president's trophy doesn't really correlate with winning stanley cups and in fact it's usually correlated with the opposite usually bad um, luck, yeah. so I'm, i mean kind of depends on on what who you'd prefer to play in the first round i guess is whether whether you care about uh winning the president's trophy or winning the Atlantic or, or not. So I don't know. Um, thoughts. No, I agree. I think, uh, like you said, I think we saw really the, the big push from Tampa. They went on that ridiculous run since then they've lost four straight actually. Um, so they're starting to skin and kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, I think the, obviously the one thing the Bruins do have going for them right now is that they do kind of control their own destiny with regards to the president's trophy. They are in first place. They've got a lead. Yes, Tampa has a game in hand, but even if they win that, Boston will still have a five-point lead. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't mean that much. You're looking at essentially a potential Eastern Conference final matchup uh, for home ice in that if they finish 1-2, which, again, even still, obviously, you ideally would like home ice, but it's not the end of the world. The Bruins are a team that plays just fine on the road, so... It's not like it's a make-or-break deal where they're that much stronger at TD Garden as opposed to elsewhere. Uh, obviously, you want to be at the top of the standings, but it's not like you know they're going to necessarily like start, you know I, I guess either goaltender is just as good, but it's not like they're going to be throwing in Rask every game just to try to nail that President's Trophy down. I think this team is confident on the road as well. Obviously, it'd be nice, but it's not your primary goal. Like Chris said, I think the more important thing down the stretch is just finishing those last couple of weeks of the season with some momentum. I think that's a lot more important than nailing down that top spot. So, I I mean, obviously the point of getting the President's Trophy is home ice advantage, but the trophy means nothing. And obviously it's linked to a bad curse. I think, uh, I think you said last episode specifically, Chris, was you believe in momentum in hockey because uh, hockey is weird momentum my catchphrase momentum has a big <laughs> a, a big effect so i i would agree with that the momentum is bigger than having the first seed as opposed to the the third place in your in your uh in your division necessarily um obviously higher position means more home ice advantage and playing 
weaker teams, but obviously that also depends on momentum. Uh, but yeah, it's not the most important thing uh, going into the playoffs. If you're if you're number two in the conference or number three in the conference, I'm I'm not disappointed. But obviously, you'd like to see them finish number one. Yeah, that being said, I am really looking forward to that Tuesday night game as we approach the next session, looking at the week ahead. That Tuesday night game against Tampa is going to be a fun one. Yeah, it will be very fun. A lot of implications there. Yeah, it's 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 always cool to like I I never get really bent out of shape about regular season games when a playoff spot isn't really in in question, but whenever you get the chance to play like another team that you're fighting for that top spot with. And like, even if we don't care whether the Bruins win the president's trophy or not, you better goddamn think that those guys care. Oh, Um, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, they smell blood in the water. They want, they want that. They want that trophy. They, they wanted everyone to know, like they're the top team. So, um, and they're the top team and they have the cup. That's a huge statement, too, if if you get both. Yeah. When's the last time a team <laughs> did both? I don't know. Capitals? Like 1979? Uh, oh, did the Cavs? Wait, I'm, trying to, I'm trying did to remember. The did the Cavs get the precedent? I think I've been – I've just been hearing that it's such a curse that it had to be before I was born <laughs> that someone did it. <laughs> Check the Google Sphere. Please enjoy this. Hopefully not copyrighted. It's definitely copyrighted Jeopardy music. Do, 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 do. I think that's the most we can play without getting sued. So <laughs> that's that's no, it thirty right seconds, I believe. Really, or fifteen? Fifteen, it I is, think. Actually. No, it's thirty. 15. Is it? I know it used to be thirty when I was in middle school and making a documentary in some class, but maybe uh, uh, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, that's tough. <laughs> That was the last team to win both the President's Trophy. And I, I, once again, I thought they canceled the playoffs there. Didn't that not happen? True. <laughs> yeah. Just Gary Bettman, so, wanna know, you rat. <laughs> want to know something really cruel uh, that has happened over the past, like, two weeks? Um, I've heard the song Chelsea Dagger everywhere. Oh, it's a great song, <laughs> We got 30 is, seconds of this. <laughs> it is like my personal hell still this many years later hearing that song when, like, every time the Blackhawks scored, it was just like, ugh. It hurts, but I would be lying if I said it, like, wasn't on a few of my Spotify playlists, is it, all I'm gonna say. Like I can't that. listen to that song. It's like that like scientific experiment where they rang the bell and the dog drooled because they thought food was coming. <laughs> it's basically that, and Chicago scores a goal, and it's fuck! And just a gut punch, yeah. Yeah. Not uh. the best for Telly's song, though. The best for Telly's song is Flathead. Uh, I- I'm going to go look that go up right now because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I, know a, I know the other song that they play that I can't name the name of, but... Oh! Ah! Uh, Fuck, I know it on guitar, too, but I don't know the name. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a look at the week ahead and close this one Oh, out. yeah, we still have things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is usually the about where it unravels anyway, so that's that's it's fitting. <laughs> it, it unraveled when we said, hey, welcome to episode four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be lying if I said I disagree. All right, Saturday we've got the Islanders of Nueva York coming around. Specifically on on Long Island, right, guys? On Long <laughs> <Hey>. Island, <laughs> callback. 
<laughs> Go it's listen to episode three. Yeah. Uh, how are we feeling about that one? Three straight road games coming up. Maybe more. I don't know. The, we have it out in front of me. The Islanders made some acquisitions at the trade deadline that I do not fully recall, but they made some decent moves during the time that I was playing video games and checking Twitter and seeing, oh, did the Bruins make any huge moves? And I saw a lot from the Islanders uh, in terms of substantial moves. Uh, but and- <laughs> So, Drew, to jump on, on that point. <laughs> Uh, the Islanders acquired J.G. Pajot for uh, plenty, um, <laughs> yeah. and then and then re-signed him for like seven years or something like that. Um, he currently having his best goal scoring year, um, and I think he's a pretty good player. Pretty, uh, he's one of those types of guys that like if the Bruins were in need of a center, like everyone would have wanted them to go after this guy because he's like he plays a heavy game and he scores goals. Um, I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good fit for the Islanders and I, he scored in, in their first, in, in his first game with the Islanders too. So good stuff. Um, yeah, look out for that guy. So I already knew everything that Chris said, but I pretended not to. Yeah, true. So what, <laughs> but what I was going to say is that they are in a position where they're really fighting for a decent playoff spot. And you got to like a lot of the teams that the Bruins have played recently, even these teams in the Western Conference, they're in a position where they are really fighting for a playoff spot, whereas the Bruins are kind of comfortable where they're at, but are obviously, as we discussed earlier, trying for that that top spot. Uh, These teams are dangerous, Uh, whether they're fighting for a wild card or they're just simply fighting for a higher position in their division. They are very dangerous. So you have to look out for that. Uh, and that's a matinee game, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. I love the matinees. What time is that? I don't know what time it is. Because <laughs> matinee games on Saturday are early morning games for me. Yeah, it's like watching <laughs> Premier League. I can't even imagine watching Premier League out in California. That's got to be painful. If it's only like 8 or 9. It. I usually get up way earlier than that. Well, so it depends on – because we, like, we get like 7 a.m. games here or like 9 a.m. games here sometimes. So I guess that's – six. Yeah, so, yeah, I, that sucks. But I don't get up for those ones. I, I'm yeah. like, I will watch sixty percent of Liverpool matches, and that's about it. That's that's fair. I like hockey. <laughs> that's good. I'm jumping in right quick because I saw this when you mentioned that one goal in one game. I went to check his stats. He had 17 penalty minutes in this first game with the Islanders. <laughs> I'm guessing there was a match penalty in there. Maybe it was a. Major. <laughs> instigator fighting 10 minute misconduct so yeah in the third all in one all right nice. all in, I, yeah all in one so he just he apparently was tired and just wanted a break and just <laughs> went math, after somebody that math tells me it adds up to like 72 though and that's no, why we are in journalism all right <laughs> yeah exactly i get uh, uh, hopefully me too. One day also I get, journalist <laughs> Hopefully one day Astronaut I get Chris paid Gere. for I get paid for people like Chris to tell me facts so I can just write it. You know? <laughs> we profit off of other people's successes. All right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we profit very minorly. <laughs> I'm gonna put that point out there quick, but there you go. Um, yes, agreed. But yeah, no, should be a should be a good matchup. Islanders have been really hot at some points this season. A team that you have to watch at least going down the stretch could be dangerous potentially. So, 
Uh, that should be a fun one. And then I, we kind of already previewed the Tampa Bay game on Tuesday, but should be another good matchup again. Playoff implications in that one. Watch out for those guys. Watch out. Ooh, they're, they're a decent team there. you gotta got to consider contenders. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks then... for the input there. <laughs> Ooh, some insightful information. <laughs> Staying in Florida for Thursday. We'll have to decide, I guess, whether we're recording after next Thursday's game as well. We'll have to, we'll have to record after next Thursday's game as well. I think it's going to have to happen. Um, I think uh, in terms of Florida, that's a team that's, you know, really battling with Toronto for that third spot in the division, as well as a wild card position. Uh, that also has some implications in terms of that could be a team that the Bruins are facing in the first round or the second round if they are to get one of those top dog positions. Yeah, I, uh, I have to fly out on Friday of next week so i'm going to be getting up really early on that friday to go to work very early so gonna be an interesting thursday night <laughs> or maybe it's a wednesday night you never know he's actually going for cowboy con part two <laughs> yeah i'm doing a tour because he's away for like 70 weeks doing a rodeo tour we're gonna <laughs> like madison Bumgarner just riding bulls <laughs> like yeah under an alter ego. Carson Grayson or whatever. <laughs> Coleman. Yeah, yeah I'll, Car- be Car- I'll be Carson, Carson Coleman. Carson Coleman Grayson. <laughs> oh, yeah, Coleman's his middle name. He just goes by it. Sure. <laughs> it's his mother's maiden name. I don't fucking know. Go, go ahead. Someone say something more. Drew, the making facts. all the jokes. Everybody, uh, if, you heard, oh. if you heard anything funny in this episode, Drew said it. Probably not. You probably just, like, felt embarrassed for me while listening to this, which is fine. I'm cool with that, too. <laughs> Carson Coolman with that. All right. That seems like a good place to cut it off. Right, cool. <laughs> you, you, you covered for me there with the embarrassing joke. Yep. So uh, we have one more listener question. Uh, Brandon Cher Cohen asks, <laughs> <laughs> how is Chris doing? Uh, hashtag 43 forever. Um, I'm doing okay, man. I think I answered this earlier in the episode. Uh, thanks, though. The Denton Heinen withdrawal group is going to be tough this week. Hey, it's gonna be- the, we, Brandon and I are the co-presidents of the Denton Heinen fan club, which uh, goes on in perpetuity, uh, regardless of where he's playing. However, That's a big word right there. Yeah, uh, in. And... <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe sweeney sent him out there just so he could be closer to you it's just a personal favor because i loves appreciate the podcast it some more yeah, yeah. uh That's however it. the danton heinen hype train is canceled uh no longer hyping Ooh. danton heinen will be will be only co-president of the fan club will no longer be hyping him you you gotta find a ducks fan to pass the honor down to all right, Mark Robertson, if you're listening to this, which I don't know why you would be, but if you are, you are now the chairman of the Danton Heinen hype train. He doesn't even know. Wow. It's yeah. official. <laughs> There's no going back on that. It's by law. By law. Legally. Uh, I think he's a lawyer, so, yeah, he should know that. <laughs> that checks out. That checks out. Yeah. <laughs> 
according to my law skills and, as a and by i think he's a lawyer I, I know he's a lawyer so he knows this he's already he already knows this or he knows it now also mark right. congrats on congrats on your nuptials <laughs> that's sick congrats, congrats bro that's the name of the episode now is mark gets his whatever <laughs> Mark gets his whatever. <laughs> Tune in next week. Same time, same place. <laughs> Tune in next week to see how he's doing. <laughs> Neptuals and Bruins podcast. We're just going to turn this into a podcast where we just talk about his life and he has no idea it's happening. <laughs> We're just going to give updates. <laughs> biography where Chris has all the facts and then me and Cam just give dumb insight. Shouts to my friend Mark from college who has no idea that this is the podcast about him. <laughs> Go Mark. Mark forever. Mark, 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 who Chris went to college with and Kesha, the pop star, what, episode four. What, what I will, what I will say about my friend Mark, who I never call Mark, he's Bertson. Um, he, I like Mark better. He will occasionally just like a random Bruins tweet. Like I'll, I'll fire out something like, oh man, Bergeron has the best, like, one-time half-clapper in the league, and he'll just, like, pop a like on that. Just let me know how ridiculous my Twitter is. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, oh, I only heart. tweet about Bruins shit. <laughs> like, no one cares, man. Like. <laughs> Thank you guys and gals for watching. They did this not watch. Been... By definition, they did not watch I hope not thank, anyway, but <laughs> thank you all for listening to Brews and Bruins episode four. I am Drew Johnson with Chris Gear and Cam's Hasbro. Hey, Cam's thanks for listening Hasbro. to episode four of Brews and Bruins. Drew gave it his best shot, but I'm gonna take over from here. Uh I'm Chris Gear for Drew Johnson and Cam Hasbrook. Thanks for listening. Uh y'all are the best. Good night, Tokyo. You're the best, you're the best, you're the best. Oh, that's a nice fade out right there. Dude, no, every episode needs to end with Chris, like, kind of singing some, like, yeah. old pop song. <laughs> Let's get down old, to old business. Old by me and Cam's, to defeat <laughs> Cam's the Huns. Did they send me daughters when I was a